Thank you for listening to the Haven Baptist Church podcast. Haven Baptist Church is a worship community in Santa Clarita, California. We are united by our faith in Jesus, passionate about our relationship with God, and devoted to impacting our world with the gospel. At Haven, we are committed to the passionate, expository preaching of God's Word, and it is our prayer that this message will encourage you and challenge you as you listen. God, we are thankful today that you go before us. Your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. But God, victory in the Christian life is achieved through surrender and obedience and submission because victory in the Christian life has been won and secured by you. And so God, as we allow you to take control of our minds, our hearts, and our lives, then we experience your victory. God, thank you today that there is a group of people who walked into a building in the midst of what is uncertain, what is unclear, and they decided today to say, God, you're worthy, you're good, and I will praise your name. Thank you, God, for this privilege, for the opportunity that we have had all day to give praise to the name that is above every other name. We rejoice in your name. We are thankful that you are faithful to us. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Thank you for singing. You may be seated. In case you're wondering, this is how church is supposed to be, all right? That was good right there. I like that. And I uh, appreciate you singing out to the glory of God. Um, Amber and I, I'm going to be honest with you for a second. First time we heard that this is how I fight my battle song, we were not fans. It's just like it didn't have context, and it felt very repetitive. But... I love that song, The Battle Belongs, because it goes, so when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. This is how we fight our battles. We fight our battles through worship. We fight our battles through surrender. We fight our battles with obedience. And, and so I appreciate so much your willingness to worship God right here in the middle of all this. And uh, we're going to hear a great message right now. I appreciate your patience. Uh, this is our last time, so don't rush us today, all right? Let's, uh, let's just get the good out of it, and, uh, and the Lord's helping us. I know he is. I'm so thankful to have my dad here. Love him, and uh, I, it goes without saying, I, I wouldn't be the man I am today without my dad's influence, and I, I served on staff. Well, you know, I've been in ministry with my dad all my life, but I served on staff for seven years, and uh, that was just formative for me, and my dad is full of wisdom. He loves the Lord. You know, one thing I'm going to say about him before he comes is I've heard horror stories of pastor's kids who said my dad was one way in the pulpit and another way at home. And what I can tell you about the man that's about to come preach to you, he was the same in the pulpit and the same at home. And if, if I can just trace my, my success or whatever the word is, uh, man, if I could trace, you know, just... faithfulness that God's allowed me to exhibit in ministry, I trace it back to a faithful mom and dad who were the same and loved, loved the Lord and been faithful pastoring. I always hoped and dreamed that I would follow in his footsteps. He's pastored the same church for 32 years now, and I, I hoped that I would do the same thing, and that wasn't God's plan for me, and so that's okay, but I admire his faithfulness. I talked this morning about that the riches of resiliency, and I've, I've saw that in my dad's life. 
I saw that in my mom's life. They're faithful. They love the Lord. And I couldn't be more honored to have him here. And, and it's amazing how the Lord orchestrated everything. We had this week planned before any of this came about. Hannah was giving birth to Evie, and they were going to come out. And it just so happens, not just so happens, it was God's orchestrated plan, divine design, that dad would be here on this last Sunday. And so he's going to be able to preach to us. I want us to sit up and hear a message that he has from the Lord. So, Dad, if you'd come and let's get our Bibles out and let's hear him preach this evening. Well, it's a joy, man. It's it's always a joy to be at Haven, and and it's a joy to be here, uh, sort of on this, uh, you know, sort of a bittersweet day. A lot of emotions today, and uh, you know, I found myself just sitting back there during the service and just thinking, you know, praying two two prayers. Number one, the Lord would help me to magnify Him today. But number two, that He would just use me to help this church. And I just wanna I wanna take about thirty minutes, and I just wanna love on you for a little bit today. I feel like everybody needs a big group hug right now. I, it's, I really do. Don't, y'all feel that too? I just, I just want to, I just want to hug everybody. And um, and honestly, at the same time, I was sitting back there today, and I was thinking, this is the way it's supposed to be. If there's going to be, if there's going to be transition in the church, this is the way it's supposed to be. There's supposed to be that that spirit of unity and harmony, as Brother Tim said that spirit of love, not animosity, not problems, not hatred, not spite, not anger, you know, and of course, none of that's here today. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? I mean, isn't it great to be a part of something like that, part of a service like that, where there's just, you know the Bible, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And there's that spirit here today. And so we thank the Lord for that. Very, very thankful for that. And uh, thank you for uh, being a great, a great congregation. Thank you for loving our kids. And uh, you, you have. And uh, they, they call us in North Carolina and just brag on you. And uh, just brag on you. And just, you know, um, love you. And then you have, a, you have a congregation many, many miles away that loves you. And... So far, so far, Carol's the only one that's, uh, that's been, been to Calvary. But I pray that's going to change, and I pray that others of you will, uh, will make that pilgrimage to our, uh, to our place and, and be there with us. But, uh, hey, we love you, and thank you for loving our kids and for being such a blessing to them. And it's so good to see the Nicholsons here today, Brother Crosby and your wife and your family, and we pray for you folks. And uh, so many miles away, but we pray for y'all and we lift you up, lift your church up, and we're thankful for what you're doing there. So, you know, of, of course, this this transition has uh, has been in the plan of God for a long, long time. We didn't know that. You didn't know that. Um, and then, of course, the Lord began to let it let it be known to us, and so we began to pray with Zach and Amber and uh, and just pray that the will of the Lord would be done. And here again, he said it just a moment ago, we didn't know that all, all this was amazingly orchestrated in the plan of God. We were just coming out here to see our eighth, eighth grandbaby. That's why we were coming. No, don't get me wrong. We were coming to see them too, sort of. And, uh, uh, and we were definitely coming to see you, but we definitely wanted to see the grandbaby. And uh, but, you know, little did we know that behind the scenes, behind the scenes, the Lord had all of this planned out. And, uh, and, you know, God's a sovereign God. And so, 
Uh, anyway, it's just amazing how the Lord works all that out. But uh, a number of weeks ago when we, we knew that this was probably the way the Lord was going to work all this out, your pastor asked me if I would uh, bring, bring the last message. And, and I uh, absolutely, you know, w- was honored and privileged to do that. Well, immediately the Lord began to work in my heart. And he began to give me a message. And this is a message, to be quite honest with you, I'll probably never preach this message again. And so this message is very fine-tuned for Haven Baptist Church. And this is not like a message that I would preach out somewhere or anything like that. I really believe that this is just a message that God has given me for, for Haven. And so I hope that you'll give me a good hearing today. I'm going to mark the clock, and I'm going to do my best to try to, to, try to keep this within about 30 minutes um, and and. We'll have to really get with it to make that happen, but I think we can. And so I want to try to be a help to you today. So Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles, Acts chapter 2. And uh, when you find your place, why don't we give you one last opportunity to stand today and we're going to read our scripture and then we're going to get right into a Bible study. I love, love, love to preach. I'm probably not going to preach this afternoon. I'm probably just going to teach a little bit and just give you some things that God has laid on my heart um, and I know that we just ate tacos, and man, were those tacos great or what? Man, they were so good. I, I, I would have liked to eat a few more, but anyway, uh, they were great. So I know you are in that, uh, you're in that Sunday afternoon mode, you know, where the body's starting to shut down, and so I'm going to have to do what I do real quickly today, but I hope it'll be a help to you. Uh, Acts 2, verse 41, the Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day, look at this, the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. We sense that here today. Verse 47, praising God. We sense that here today. And having favor with all the people. We sense that here today. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And so I want to talk to you about this subject, a church in transition. You may be seated this morning. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And we'll, uh, uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the clock, so I'm going to try to uh, keep my word here today. So let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you for the great, great morning that you've given us here at, at Haven. And Lord, thank you for what you've done here. And God, the work that you have began, I pray that you will, I pray that you will continue it. Uh, Lord, I pray you'll continue it. And I pray that the souls that have been saved here will be but a foretaste of what will happen. And God, I pray that the fire that you started here, I pray will continue to burn. I pray it will continue to burn brighter. And God, I pray that Santa Clarita, Valencia, New Hall, Lord Castaic, Lord, this, this surrounding area, I pray that they will see a light the light of Jesus. And I pray, Father, that many in this area here in California will come to know Christ. Lord, as we close this service out with a few moments of teaching, I pray that you'll bless our discussion. I pray it'll make perfect sense. 
And God, I pray that it will, uh, I pray it will go home with these folks. We love you. We pray that Jesus will receive all the glory from it. And we sure ask you for Holy Spirit help and power now. We love you, Lord, and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Well, Acts chapter 2 is a great, a great place for us to start. And we've seen the official beginning of the early New Testament church. And man, what a start. What a start it was. What a supernatural start. The Bible says that there were 3,000 saved and 3,000 baptized. And, uh, and uh, you know, and, and one of the things I love about Acts chapter 2 as well is that of the 3,000 that were saved and baptized, it was every walk of life, every walk of life. You know what? They spoke different. They looked different. They didn't all look the same. They didn't all talk the same. They didn't come from the same culture. I mean, it was a hodgepodge. I mean, it was just, it was a melting pot, if you will. And yet, uh, when the Spirit of God had got into this thing, many from many different walks of life came to the Lord as Savior. Now, notice several things, and some of these things are, will be in your handout a little bit later on. I don't believe this is, but, but one of the things that I noticed is that, that, that at first God adds to the church. And we're going to really dig a little bit this morning. So look at Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Uh, the Lord adds to the church, verse 47, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Skip down to Acts chapter 5 and look at verse number 14. Acts 5, verse 14, the Bible says, And believers were the more what? Were the more added to the Lord multitudes both of men and women. So God's doing something very unique here and he is, he is adding to the church but then we see that supernatural element kick in and God is not only adding to the church but we notice here that God begins to multiply the church. Look if you will at Acts chapter 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says that in those days when the number of the disciples was, what's the word? Multiplied. Um, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Look at Acts 6, verse number 7. The Bible says, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples, what's the word? Multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Then skip over a couple pages and look at Acts chapter 9, and look at verse number 31. I love this scripture. Acts 9, verse 31. The Bible says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, that word edified is the idea of building, building up. They were built up in the faith. The Bible says, and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were, what's the word? Multiplied. Uh, in the next chapter 12, verse 24, the Bible says, and the, but the word of God grew and multiplied. So uh, I, 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 I want to make a point here. God's doing something very supernatural with the early church. He's adding to the church, and then it's almost like they shift gears, and he begins to multiply the church, and literally, literally, the church is exploding. It's just exploding with growth, uh, so much so that, that physically speaking, they're having a hard time keeping up with it. I mean, it is just really, it's growing by leaps and bounds. And you know what? At first, there are hundreds being saved. Then there's thousands being saved. And then there are literally thousands being added to the church. But I, I said all that to say this, that as the church is exploding with growth, you know what? It's not long before we see some problems. I want to show you those if I could. How about this? Letter A is this persecution problems. Look, if you will, at Acts chapter 4 and verse number 17. The Bible says, but that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them 
them, Peter and John, who was talking about, that we straightly threaten Peter and John, that we straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name, the name of Jesus Christ. And they called them, Peter and John, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. And so you understand that this is just the beginning of persecution. I mean, this is really just the light stuff. This is really just the minor stuff of what's getting ready to take place. And we're getting ready to see persecutions that are gonna get much more serious than this. But the church is just the, the church is just growing and growing and God is blessing. But all of a sudden we see these persecution problems in the church. Not only that, but we see people problems. Not only persecution problems, but people problems. Look at Acts chapter five. And look at verse number one. The Bible says, but a certain man, a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira's wife sold a possession and, and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it. And again, I'll just, uh, just preface this, but uh, what was going on is here's two people in the church, Ananias and Sapphira, and folks are just, they're all in and they're giving to the work of the Lord and giving to the church and Ananias and Sapphira sell a piece of land and they act like they're gonna give the whole amount to the church when uh, when all actuality, they're sort of holding back part of that. They wanna, they, they wanna be in the limelight. They want everybody to think that, boy, wow, Ananias and Sapphira, they are great. But truth of the matter is, they were holding back part of that back. Uh, and uh, long story short, God ends up killing both of them. Uh, they lied to the Holy Spirit. And so, again, I'm just trying to make a point. We see persecution problems. The church is really being blessed. And yet there are persecution problems, there are people problems. Look at this. Not only that, but we see public relation problems. Look at Acts chapter six and verse number one. The Bible says in Acts six verse one, and in those days, what days? In those days when the church is just exploding with growth and God is just pouring his blessings out on the church. Uh, listen, I want you to understand something. This is not a church that's under a curse. This is a church that is full of the blessing of God. I mean, the Spirit of God is doing a supernatural work, and yet there are problems. And there, there are public relation problems. Acts 6, verse 1, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there rose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. And so those uh, uh, Grecians were saying, well, you know what? Our widows are not being cared for like your widows are. And, and there was a little bit of a dissension in the church there. And, uh, and so there were public relation problems. But then I noticed this, in this growing, growing church, I noticed there were pastoral problems. That's right. Uh, man, here's the church that's on the move. Here's the church where things are happening. Here's a church where God is blessing. But then all of a sudden we see this shakeup among the leadership of the church. You say, Brother Pope, what are you talking about? Well, one of the first things we see in the church is Stephen is martyred. Now, look at Acts chapter 7, verse 57. Acts 7, verse 57. You say, well, Stephen, who's Stephen? Stephen is on the leadership team. Stephen's a deacon. And he's a very powerful deacon. Acts 7, verse 57, then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him, Stephen, with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. So Stephen is martyred. And then right after that happens, well, we notice that Philip is moved. Well, you say, preacher, who's Philip? Philip's another one on the leadership team. <laughs> Philip's another deacon. And he's sort of an evangelistic deacon. 
He's sort of doing two roles. He is a, he's a deacon in the church. He's a leader in the church. He's an evangelist. And the Bible says that God moves Philip away from the church. Look at Acts chapter eight, verse four. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad whenever we're preaching the word, verse five, then Philip, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And so, man, there's a lot going on. I mean, Stephen is martyred and Philip is moved. And then I noticed this. I noticed that Peter is ministering to the church as a body. Now, by that I mean this, Peter is not just ministering now only in Jerusalem to the, to the church, but he's moving around. Look, if you will, at Acts chapter nine, verse 32, Acts nine, verse 32, and it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda or Lydda, and so, you know, here's the strong, central figure of the church. Peter, man, he's one of the ones that stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached and, and God used him to, to, to start that fire in the church on the day of Pentecost. And yet now, even in this time when the church is excessively blessed, we find that Peter's called away and, and Peter is ministering elsewhere. Look, if you will, at Acts 10. Flip over a page and look at Acts 10 and verse number 23, verse 23 Acts 10, verse 23, then called he them in and lodged them. Look at this. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And on the morrow, they, they, uh, and on the morrow after, they entered into Caesarea. Now again, I, I just want to make a point that some of the leadership of this very blessed church, some are martyred, some are moved, some are ministering elsewhere. And so uh, you understand that there's transition. This is not a cursed church. This is a blessed church. Man, this is a church that's doing the will of God. This is not a church that's necessarily carnal or that's falling apart. No, no, no. This is a church that is absolutely in the middle of the will of God. And yet, there is transition that's taking place in the church. So, you know what? Initially on, we can sort of look at this and say, wow, boy, they must be, they're being judged by God. That's not the case at all. This church is in the center of the will of God. Not only that, but God is just pouring his blessings out and the church is just growing and yet there's transition. Well, I think you'll see where I'm going with that. And so, you know what? When a church begins to go through transition like you're going through right now, if we're not careful, we sort of look at that transition and think, wait, Lord, what have we done? Lord, why are you judging us? God, why are you... I mean, why, why are you allowing all this change in the church? And I mean, Lord, this isn't right. But here's what we, gotta, what we have to understand, that God has a perfect plan. Amen. And God makes no mistakes. And so we understand something. We understand churches, even great churches, are gonna go through times of transition. So with that said, I wanna give you five principles of sound advice, five principles of sound advice when experiencing transition, and especially in a church. Five principles of sound advice when experiencing transition. The first thing that I want to say specifically to this church body is this. Number one, genuine worship is worthy of some work. Genuine worship is worthy of some work. Now, what are you talking about, preacher? Look at this. Even though the early church is experiencing transition, did you notice this? Genuine worship never ceased. 
It never stopped. Yes, they're going through problems. Yes, Stephen's no longer there. Philip's no longer there. Now Peter's traveling around and he's ministering to other churches and yet we find that they have persecution and they've got public relation problems and they've got people problems and they've even got pastoral transitions but yet we find that worship never stops. Look, if you will, in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Verse 42, and daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And so that, that worship never ceases, it never stops. Uh, uh, turn over a few pages to Acts chapter 9 and look at verse number 31. We read this a moment ago, but I want to point it out again. Acts 9 verse 31, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. Wait a minute now. You say, Brother Pope, is this the church that's going through transition? Yes. And yet we find they're being built up. We find they're being edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. We're multiplied. And so even though there's change, even though there's problems, even though there's transition, we notice that they're actively involved in worship. They're actively involved in evangelism and teaching and edification. Now, I said that to say this. Hey, Haven Baptist Church, so must you continue. You must continue. Yes, you're going through a time of transition. Yes, we all understand that. But you know what that means? That means worship must continue. Worship must continue. Somebody says, well, this is it. This is the last day of our worship. Oh, no. No, worship must continue. Just like it did in the early church, although they were in a, a time of amazing transition, worship never ceased. It kept going and kept going and kept going. Now, I said that to say this. Make sure that you find a place where there's genuine worship. And I understand, you're not in North Carolina. <laughs> now you say, Brother Pope, why do you say that? Listen, this is the truth. If I'm telling it, North Carolina is one of the most fundamental states in America. And by the way, that's not by accident. Uh, but you're not going to have a church on every corner. But I'll tell you, but, but here's what I'm saying. Worship is worthy of some work. And so make sure that you find a place for you and your family where you can get plugged in, where you can get connected, where you can get involved. You say, well, preacher, what about Haven? Listen, your life doesn't stop today. Your Christian life goes on. Your Christian life goes forward. This is not a stopping point for you. This is a beginning point for you. And listen, if God shuts one door, he'll open another. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'll get into that in just a moment. Hey, listen, again, I just want to throw some things out there to you. When it comes to worship, don't settle for mediocrity. And I know that the culture is a little different in California. I get that. But don't settle for mediocrity just to save a few miles. We tell our people, we tell our folks at Calvary, the difference is worth the distance the difference is worth the distance. Now, you say, Brother Pope, you'll have a lot of Baptist churches in North Carolina? A lot. We do. A lot. But just because we have a lot don't mean that a lot are hitting on a whole lot. Some of those churches are dead as can be. And so we tell our people all the time, the difference is worth the distance. 
Make sure that you find a place where you can really, really worship. And I wrote this down. And whenever I want to emphasize something in my outline, I'll blow it up. I'll make it really big. And sometimes I'll embolden it. And then I'll highlight it. And sometimes underline it. And this has got about all those things. I've got little stars by it. And this is what I wrote down. Listen to this. Convenience should be your lowest priority when choosing a good church. Now, I want to say that again. Convenience should be your lowest priority when choosing a good church. Now, I want you to hold your place in Acts because we're coming right back there. By the way, my messages are not homiletically correct. They taught us in Bible college, always make your first point the shortest. But I always make my, my first point the longest, all right? So once we get through this first point, we're home free, all right? And uh, I promise, I promise that. I want you to hold your place in Acts, but I want you to turn with me and I want to show you something that's absolutely, I believe, will help you. Turn in your Bibles to your Old Testament and I want you to find your place in 1 Kings chapter number 12. 1 Kings chapter number 12. And I want to say while you're looking for 1 Kings chapter 12, I want to make that statement again. Convenience, convenience should be your lowest priority when choosing a good church. When you're trying to find a place to worship and to get your family plugged in, convenience really should not be should really not be in your uh, in the way you choose that church. Now we see that teaching in our Old Testament, and you know this. I know you've learned this. Our Old Testament is an illustration of New Testament truth, and so we see it. We see an Old Testament illustration of what I'm teaching today from the New Testament. Look, if you will, at 1 Kings chapter number 12, and, and, and let me tell you what's going on here. Solomon, King Solomon, has passed off the scene, and he has handed his kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, he's handed the kingdom off to his son Rehoboam. And anyway, long story short, not going on in all the story, this kingdom splits under Rehoboam. Two tribes, really just one, sort of two tribes stay loyal to Rehoboam and they stay in the nation of what, what they call the kingdom of Judah and there are 10 tribes that, that, that peel off and uh, that split off and they make a man by the name of King Jeroboam. They make him their new king. And so I want you to look what happens. I want you to see the first decision that Jeroboam is the new king of Israel, we notice that his decision involves convenience. Look at 1 Kings 12, verse 28. The Bible says, whereupon the king, this is King Jeroboam, whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, look at this line, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and the other put he in Dan. In other words, King Jeroboam became the king over those ten tribes. And this is the first thing he did. He said, listen, we're no longer going to travel all the way to Jerusalem. It's too much for you. It's too inconvenient. It's too far to go. It's too much trouble. And so what we're going to do is we're going to set up some gods here. And rather than go all the way to Jerusalem and worship in Jerusalem, we're going to set up some gods here and we're going to worship right here. But look what your Bible says. Look, if you will, at verse number 30. Verse number 30. And this thing became a what? Wow. 
And this thing became a sin. For the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. In other words, they said, you know what? We're not going all the way to Jerusalem. Even though that's what God wants us to do. Even though that's what God told us to do, we're not gonna do that. Way too inconvenient. Man, we're not gonna load our families up and go all the way to Jerusalem. Man, we'll just stay here and worship. And so we notice here that convenience, convenience caused the people of God to sin. Listen to me. I wanna say, I wanna make this statement again. Listen to this. Convenience should be your lowest priority when choosing a good church. The difference is worth the distance. I don't know about anybody else. For us, COVID, for us, COVID was a good thing because COVID made our church stretch a little. Um, one thing that COVID did for us, it made us, ex- it made us expand our live stream ministry. And boy, did it ever expand. We had a lady that started watching our service. She lived in the state of Florida. She started watching our service and, and she just fell in love with Calvary and Every single service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, she would comment, she would say amen. She was watching every service and, 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 and we got to know Karen and, and so we began to, uh, you know, we began to um, correspond with Karen a little bit and, and uh, anyway, we had never met her physically. I'd never shaken her hand and yet I felt like I pastored her. I felt like I loved her and she loved us and, and she sort of considered me her pastor and we had never, looked, never even looked each other in the eye and uh, anyway, long story short, after a little while of her watching live stream, she sent us a message and she said, Pastor, she said, I'm moving to North Carolina. <laughs> she said, my daughter lives in Concord, right outside of Charlotte, lives in Concord, North Carolina. I'm gonna move to Concord. I'm gonna move in with my daughter. And she said, I'm gonna start coming to Calvary every service. Now, wait a minute now. That's way over an hour away. And Karen, who by the way is handicapped, she's in a wheelchair, Karen moved to Concord, North Carolina, and every single service, she drives to Calvary Baptist Church. Every service. And I'm not making this up, Haven. She's one of the first ones in the parking lot. I can't even beat her there. (laughs) And she's one of the last ones out of the parking lot. And she drives way over an hour to get there. And yet we've seen Karen just, I mean, God has just lit a fire in her soul. And man, she loves God and loves church and loves worship. And, uh, and this is what Karen said. I'm not gonna just find somewhere conveniently to worship. I'm gonna make sure I get somewhere where I can really get plugged in. Now, Haven, listen to me. Even if we don't get to these other points, hear this first point. Make sure that you find a place where you can get plugged in and worship God. And, uh, and it may not be, you may not be able to go right down the road. You may have to drive a little ways, but I'll promise you this. If you get your family somewhere where they can get plugged in, where there's spirit-filled preaching, spirit-filled teaching, spirit-filled fellowship, spirit-filled harmony, I promise you, it, the difference is worth the distance. Amen. That's my longest point. And so we're home free. Let me at least give you these. Let me at least give you these other points. Number two, encouraging fellowship is a fundamental. Uh, encouraging fellowship is a fundamental. Look at Acts chapter four, and look at verse twenty-three. We'll just look at these scriptures. Acts four verse twenty-three. The Bible says, "In being let go, they went to their own company." Look at verse twenty-four. Acts four verse twenty-four. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. 
Look at Acts chapter 2. Back up a couple pages and look at Acts chapter 2, verse number 46. The Bible says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Verse, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And so, hey, this is what I'm saying. Haven, encouraging fellowship is a fundamental. Now, that's a big part of Haven Baptist Church is fellowship. And at the close of this service, that must continue on. You need to find a group of folks and you need to continue to fellowship. By the way, this group of folks, just because this building, this building is gonna, is gonna close doesn't mean you have to close. And so as a church family, stay in contact with each other. Stay connected with one another. Pray together, eat together, fellowship with one another. And so that fellowship, man, that fellowship is so important. You know, we, we after COVID, after COVID, we totally changed our schedule on Sunday. And, uh, and, and one of the things that we made sure that we, we did after COVID was we made sure that fellowship is a, a huge part of our Sunday. Because we understand something. That fellowship, you know what that fellowship does? It encourages you. And it strengthens you as believers. And so fellowship, fellowship, is a fundamental. I wrote this down. Number three, growing in grace should always be the goal. Growing in grace should always be the goal. By the way, still is. Acts 2 verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls. Look at verse 42 though. And they continued steadfastly. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. There's that idea of that growing in grace. Skip over a page and look at Acts chapter 6 and verse number 7. And the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. There's that idea of growing in grace. Acts 15, 41 and he went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. That idea, that word confirming means to strengthen, to render more firm. Acts 16 verse 5, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily, growing in grace. By the way, it's not a suggestion. Growing in grace is a biblical command. And so, just because this may be the conclusion of haven, as far as this building, this location, this facility, does not mean that your growth in grace should stop. You're, you're to continue to grow. You say, but Brother Pope, we're seeing some change. Sure you are. Every church does. The early church did. Your church is going to. But you and I still have a, we, we still have a responsibility to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so genuine worship is worthy of some work. Encouraging fellowship is a fundamental. Growing in grace should always be the goal. Number four, and then last after that, the commission still remains a commandment. Acts chapter one, verse eight, I have that written down. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Look at, look at Acts 8 with me, if you will. Acts 8, verse 1. I thought this was interesting. And Saul, Acts 8, verse 1, and Saul was consenting unto his death, Stephen, 
And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. There's that idea of transition. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Transition. Verse 2. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial. Transition. And made great lamentation over him. Transition. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women, committed them to prison. Transition. Transition. But look at verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Hey, Haven, listen. Regardless of what's going on in our church, you know what that means? We still have a responsibility to win Santa Clarita to Jesus Christ or whatever area you live in. You say, well, but, but, but the Pope, there's change. Okay, there's change. I, but, but, but preacher, they're, they're calling our pastor to South Carolina. I mean, that's true. But you know what that means? We still have a responsibility to win the world. We still have a responsibility to win our neighbors, to win our coworkers. We still have a responsibility to win our children, to win our loved ones to the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing changes. There, are, there is some change in the church, but as far as our commission, nothing changes there. And so, let me bring this to a close. Genuine worship is worthy of some work. Find a place where you can get plugged in for the glory of God. Encouraging fellowship is a fundamental. Growing in grace should always be the goal. The commission still remains a commandment, but let, listen to this and we're done. Number five, the will of God is wonderful. The will of God is wonderful. Now you've got to see this. We're done, but you've got to see this. Look at Acts 16 in your Bibles and look at verse number five. The will of God is wonderful. Acts chapter 16, verse five. The Bible says, and so were the churches established in the faith. That's a good thing. Would you agree with that? That's a good thing. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. That's a good thing. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, look at this next line. The Bible says, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. That's interesting. I mean, things are going fantastic. The church is growing. People are being edified. The church is, is growing in, in number daily. But then the Bible says all of a sudden in verse 6, they're forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Look at verse 7 though. After, after they were come to Mycenae, they essayed to go into Bithynia. They wanted to go into Bithynia. Look at the last line. But the Spirit suffered them not. In other, words, in other words, here's this church is just being blessed and blessed and blessed. And they want to, and man, they're just so fired up. And so they're saying, man, I mean, let's, I tell you what, let's do. Let's go into Asia and we'll preach the gospel in Asia. And the Holy Spirit said, no, no. Well, I tell you what, let's do. Let's go over here. Let, 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 let's go to Bithynia. And the Holy Spirit said, no. And the, Holy, the, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit just shut the door and said, no, I don't want you to go there. Now, wait a minute now. Somebody says, whoa, wait just a minute. Holy Spirit, why in the world we're wanting to go here and preach and you're shutting the door? But isn't it exciting that when the Spirit of God shut one door, he opened up another door. You know what happened? The Bible says that Paul and those with him go to a place called Philippi. And there's a lady there. She's not saved yet but she's a worshiper of God. She's seeking, 
She's not saved, but she's wanting to be saved, and she's worshiping God. Her name is Lydia. And the Bible says that Paul and Silas come to the city there and, uh, and she's down at that place where they're washing and, uh, and they, begin to, they begin to talk to Lydia and the Bible says that God opens her heart and uh, long story short, you know what happens? Lydia comes to faith in Jesus. And not only Lydia gets saved, but Lydia's whole house gets saved and they get baptized. Oh, it stirs up a ruckus though. And you know where Paul and Silas end up? They end up in jail. Brother Timothy, he alluded to that just a moment ago. They end up in prison. And the Bible says they're praising God and praying and, and singing praises to the Lord at midnight. And the Bible says, and the prisoners heard them. And an earthquake came. Well, you talk about an earthquake. It's really an earthquake when the doors swing open and all your chains and fetters fall away. That's really an earthquake. And the Bible says the jailer springs in. And long story short, they lead the jailer to Jesus. The jailer's family gets born again. They all get baptized. And guess what happens? A church is started in Philippi. Now, wait a minute now. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying the Holy Spirit shut one door. And I'm sure, don't you know this? There were people just like Haven who said, Lord, why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense to us. God, we're fired up. I mean, we're wanting to go into Asia. And the Spirit of God said, I know. But Lord, why are you shutting this door? And the Holy Spirit said, you don't understand this right now, but I'm shutting this door so I can open another door. And I've got some other families in a place called Philippi that are going to give me their heart. And I'm going to establish a work there. And many others are going to come to Christ. So Haven Baptist Church, as we leave here today, don't you dare leave here defeated. Don't dare leave here today saying, well, I don't understand why God shut that door. Listen to me. If God shut this door, that means he's getting ready to swing open wide another door. And so that means this, the next chapter for your life and your ministry and your Christian walk the next chapter, I really believe this with all my heart, the next chapter is going to be even better. Even better. You say, preacher, there's no way it can be better. Listen, I promise you something. God is able to do what we cannot do. And although I don't understand it, I know this, he maketh no mistake. I, you can close your Bibles, I'm done. Hannah, when Hannah was growing up, she used to love, love, love on Thanksgiving Day. She used to love to watch the Macy's Day Parade. And so we'd get up on Thanksgiving morning and uh, Miss Tammy would be preparing. We always have our big family, have a big family over and the house is full. And so, I mean, she's busily, uh, you know, preparing and we've got the turkey and we're carving the turkey and she's getting everything made. But we've got the Macy's Day Parade playing and Hannah's always wanting to watch the Macy's Day Parade and so we're, we're cooking and we're carving and we're watching the, the Macy's Day Parade. Now I noticed one day as we're watching the parade they were showing the uh, commentators there on the street level, had the microphones you know and, and they're telling about the floats as the floats are coming and they, they would you know promote the float and they would say this float is such and such and uh, 
uh, and, and you could see from street level, you could see a couple floats, maybe two or three. You know, you could sort of see what was down the road, but not very much. And, and then all of, a, all of a sudden, I noticed they did a breakaway. And they showed the Macy's Day Parade from a helicopter view. And all of a sudden, they went from street level way up there to the helicopter, and the helicopter had the camera on the parade, and you could see, man, you could see all the way down the street. You could see every single float, which float was coming when. Let me tell you where you are, Haven. You're street level today. And you're saying, boy, I, I see the next float that's coming. I really can't see much past that float right there. I really don't know why God is doing this. It doesn't make, really doesn't make any sense to me. Things were going so good at Haven, and I love my church, and I love my pastor, and I love my church family. And, and you, Lord, Lord, I really don't understand why you're letting these floats come in the succession that you're letting them come in. And, you know, Lord, I'm going to be honest, really, really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And God is not street level. God is sovereign level. And God is in heaven saying, Haven, trust me. Trust me. I know you can't see down the street like I can, but trust me. And God says, I've got this parade lined up just like I want it lined up. And if you'll just stay faithful, I've got big, gigantic plans for your life. Well, I hope that made sense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and then after I pray, I'm going to let Matt come. Matt's got something he wants to do. And so let's pray together as a family. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for Haven. And God, thank you for all that you've done here at this church, this local body. God, I don't believe for half a second you're done. God, I believe you've got other things down the road. I believe, Lord, you've got uh, amazing things in, in store for these families. God, I believe in some way you're going you're gonna to continue this ministry and you're going to use it for your praise and your glory. God, I pray for Pastor Zach and Miss Amber. I pray for Taylor and Mason and Josiah and Leah that you would bless them and Father that you would that you would protect them and that you would provide for them that you'd Lord help them to stay always in your will not to stumble never to bring reproach to the name of Jesus I pray for Timothy and, and Hannah and Moses and Adrian and little Evie God that you'd bless them and protect them and God help them to always stay in the will of God and I pray for this dear church family, oh Lord, that you'd bless them, protect them. God, that today you'd encourage them. And Lord, that you would be that ever-present help in their time of need. And Lord, that you would show them what's next. Lead them to that place of worship where they can get plugged in and connected and grow and go and serve and do great things for the cause of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for allowing my wife and I to have a, a little part in this today. Encourage this church family now. Thank you for giving us a great day.
May our Savior and our Lord receive all the glory and the praise from it all. And we thank you, Lord, and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen.